What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters. Yeah, I would have never thought we would be at a hundred and whatever, 146 that we're at right now that we'd have in our network when I started with, you know, just the two students. So, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been an incredible, incredibly fulfilling journey, I should say, for me and for a lot of the people that I work with. That is Professor James Hewlett, Executive Director of Community College UG Research Initiative or CCURI for short, and Director of Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing at Finger Lakes Community College in New York. Hello, I'm your host, Venkat Raman. Startups with two guys in a garage is folklore. This one, however, is about one professor and two students in a lab. It wouldn't be melodramatic to call what happened after that a movement a movement where undergraduate research has come to over 120 college community campuses around the country and growing. We are honored to have Professor Jim Hewlett on our podcast today to tell this story. In this podcast, Professor Hewlett first tells us how undergraduate research started at Finger Lakes, the origins and the structure of CCURI, how they help other community colleges start undergraduate research, and finally, advice to students and faculty. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. I wish my story was one of, I had this grand plan <laughs> and it was it was all organized and laid out for um, that's that's not the story it was, it was sort of serendipity i had a a faculty member stop me in the hall and say, um hey i just got a quick question for you would you be able to if you know if i gave you a blood sample from a bird would you be able to tell what, what the sex of the bird is and i i had I, I talked to people we we spent some time workshopping it and came up with this model we, we tested it on our campus uh, we've had we saw a lot of great benefits from it, and mm-hmm. so what I did was I approached the National Science Foundation with my model and a and a grant proposal, saying, you know, I'd like to scale this on our campus, but I'd also like to try it on other on other campuses. We developed a two and a half day workshop, a strategic planning workshop that they would send a team to, mm-hmm. and really build sort of a five year strategic plan um, for how they want to actually do this is Gaston College, which is in North Carolina, and Anoka Ramsey, which is in um, uh, outside of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And those two institutions have programs that operate at the institutional level mm-hmm. that now are focused on providing students in, in all disciplines. And don't be afraid to, you know, knock on a door and, and say, hey, I really would like to look for ways to get, get engaged in a, in a project. It, these were the high fives brought to you by College Matters, Alma Matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, without further ado, here's the podcast with Professor Jim Hewlett. Let me start by welcoming you to our podcast, College Matters, Alma Matters. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for making the time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> sure thing. Sure thing. So really excited to talk to you about a variety of topics related to undergraduate research and community colleges. So I thought the best place to start might be a little bit about your background, how you, you know, got started and how you got into all this. And uh, then we can sort of dive in. Okay. Um, well, I actually, I, I've been at Finger Lakes Community College um, for my entire career. So 20, I'm now 23 years into it. And I came there straight out of graduate school. I was at um, the University of Rochester Medical Center uh, mm -hmm. before I came over to Finger Lakes in, a, in my teaching role. Mm -hmm. There was, there was no um, undergraduate research on our campus. And at that time, uh, very little examples of undergraduate research happening at any of the community colleges in our area. And certainly I found out later um, that was true across the country. So a professor of biology there. And uh -huh. so I, I came from you know, a background where I had opportunities to do undergraduate research. So I thought that at some point during my early career at Finger Lakes, I would look for ways to maybe give students opportunities there to, to get involved. Tell us about undergraduate research. I mean, why, why is it important? Why did you feel that was important? Yeah, I mean, well, it's tricky because I think when, so at a community college, which is, you know, very often a lot of the programs are, are designed for the students to be prepared for jobs after two years. They're sure, there sure. to get the skills to do a specific job. And I didn't see that any different for our, uh, our students. When, when you want to somebody for the, that path of being a scientist, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the best way to do that is by, by engaging, you know, in, in graduate research because you're that's where you're learning your your craft just um that's the best way to do it by by far so so you thought it was a it, it was an essential ingredient if you will for uh, any kind of scientific study um, yeah. and at and at the time it was weird because most of my colleagues were doing what i what you know what i started out doing which was content focused and not very active and really didn't have that ingredient of thinking about training opportunity and not just as something that you're doing that's sort of a unique thing that you wanted to do with students it's it, it's it is the way to train scientists right when you start out so so tell us how how you got undergraduate research started at finger lakes I mean, how, how did that how did you sort of pioneer that or start yeah i wish i wish my story was one of i had this grand plan <laughs> it was it was all organized and laid out for um, that's that's not the story it was, it was sort of serendipity i had a a faculty member stop me in the hall and um hey i just got a question for you would you be able to if, you know if i gave you a blood sample from a bird would you be able to tell what, what the sex of the bird is and i have a biotechnology program there so we have a pretty active lab that could as i said look into it and see if it's possible and i thought oh well, let me just grab a couple of students and we'll We'll just work on it as kind of outside of class as sort of a project. Mm -hmm. And when you look at our website now, you'll see that our, our logo is actually the head of a red tail hawk. And that's because that's where it all started. It started with this project <laughs> on, on <laughs> trying to figure out ways to, to and yeah, it's very strange. So it really was just me and two students working on a project on the side. I saw what the experience did for them. And I, and I was committed after that experience, which was now 17 years ago, 
to, you know, I knew I had to get this out to other students. I had to scale this. It just had to happen. So um, it just sort of, then I just sort of flailed around for a while until I could get it off the ground. That's, that's where um, Curry started the community college undergraduate research initiative was with myself and those two students. Tell us about the origins of the CCURI, I guess, Community College Undergraduate Research Initiative. Yeah, so, so after I had that little project with those two students, I thought, well, the best way to scale that up mm-hmm. is to develop a course, right? That's, that seems sure. to make sense. Just create a course, which, um, which I did. I developed and got a, a course approved on our, on our campus through the, our university system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it went live for people to register, I got nobody registered for it. it well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. The two students I was working with, they registered mm-hmm. for it. But sure, sure. Uh, so, um, and there's there's a million reasons as to why that didn't work, um, which we we could get into. But in in reality, what had to happen was I had to build a model for how to sort of scaffold the experience across our curriculum. And so I I, had, I, I talked to people. We we spent some time workshopping it and came up with this model. We, we tested it on our campus. Uh, we've had, we saw a lot of great benefits from it. And mm-hmm. so what I did was I approached the National Science Foundation with my model and a, and a grant proposal saying, you know, I'd like to scale this on our campus, but I'd also like to try it on other, on other campuses. So mm-hmm. we were able to get some funding from the National Science Foundation to, to try out that model at um, six other community colleges. And that's that's kind of how we got started. We would, we would, every iteration of it, we would expand to more and more schools. We would modify the model. We would add new models um, for, for how to embed the experience. And so now we're, we went from, you know, the early days of those six community colleges. We have um, 46 uh, partners across the country that we support uh, financially and also with resources. And then another 84 campuses um, that are in our affiliate program, which we help out with faculty development for helping them build programs. So, you know, we're, we're 120 plus community colleges across the country now, national network. That's, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> uh, from, from that little, um, you know, serendipitous sort of start. So, you know, I'm really intrigued by uh, when you talked about a model, can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, so so what it is is you we we look at starting out when the student walks in the door, right? We don't want to wait. So just to have some context, my undergraduate research experience, the very first one I ever had, mm-hmm. was my first semester of my junior year um, mm-hmm. in my undergraduate education. Sure. Well, we you know that's in my opinion that's that's too late, right? Mm-hmm. We wanted we wanted to figure out a way to start, you know, reaching the student when they walked in the door. Mm-hmm. So we thought the best way to do that was to modify our introductory coursework. So the, I'll just use the example of introductory biology yeah. is we would, we would take a section of that course and we would, we would rework the, what we call we called the lecture portion to sure. become very student centered, uh, very hands-on, very active learning in the classroom. And then a sequence of laboratory activities that were mostly cookbook, which a lot of people will be familiar with. Yeah. Um, you know, you follow these instructions and then you do a write up and you're done. And we threw those we threw those out and brought in uh, new new labs that would help students build the skills around our, the research project that we wanted to sort of implement at our institution. So that was what we would get them to build skills, but I'd also kind of put the hook into them. Mm-hmm. And then in the next year, so in their second year, we would provide opportunities for them to 
um, spend longer amounts of time, so time on task with the projects that they, they engaged in in those intro courses. So it's kind of a combination of curriculum reform and then project development, but it's scaffolded across the, the two years. So it's not, it's not a one-off thing where they're getting it in a certain semester. The experience is sort of, it sort of grows across the, the, the four semesters. And that, that's, that worked really well. And we, we figured out a way to, um, to share that with other community colleges so that they could try it out. And then we, what we did was we learned from other sites on how to make it better or how to add resources to it, things like that. So uh, we owe, we owe a lot of, uh, we owe a debt of gratitude to a lot of our partners in helping us continue to um, find best practices and how to do this. No, I mean, I, I think, I think I can see why it worked. I mean, first of all, you integrated it with some natural sort of courses that students would take. And secondly, um, having the ability to uh, modify that and catch them young <laughs> as they were yeah. sort of before they, uh, you know, got set. That's, that's great. Yeah, and so, in that world, those are called, yeah, those, are called those are called uh, cures, C-U-R-E, or a course-based undergraduate research experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and and cures work really well because, like you just said, they're they're embedded, right? They're embedded mm-hmm. within coursework that that the faculty were going to be teaching anyway, and the students were going to be taking as part of their degree program. So, right, because right. it's integrated and embedded, it doesn't it it doesn't feel like something extra that somebody else. It's it's really a modification of what they're already engaged in so there yeah, we call those cures tell us a little bit about um the colleges and how i mean how the c c u r i is organized is this sort of an organized thing or is it sort of a loosely coupled um organization well i mean it, it's 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 pretty well i should say it's, it's organized in, in a sense that um for the, and I'll focus on those 44 institutions that we support at a pretty mm-hmm. high level, right? Yeah. So the way that works is that um, we initially we initially approached the Council on Undergraduate Research, and we, which is an organization that has been around forever, mm-hmm. and asked them, "Do you know of community colleges that that are looking to, you know, build undergraduate research experiences on their campuses?" And that's kind of how we got the first cohort that mm-hmm. we could identify. Uh, and then what we did was we um, we developed a two and a half day workshop, a strategic planning workshop that they would send a team to mm-hmm. and really build sort of a five year strategic plan um, for how they want to actually do this. And then and so centrally, you know, I, I, I'm as a as the executive director, I'm sort of directing you know, all the activities that are happening. But we also have a full time project manager mm-hmm. um, and a full time technician to help with you know, projects that would be developed that help them build protocols or SOPs or things like that. So it is, you know, it, it is in a sense organized in that we sort of treat all those partners uh, the same in terms of what resources we can provide for them. Mm-hmm. They get the same amount of faculty development and then mentorship and also follow up uh, across, you know, now for some of them, seven, eight years. So, and, that, and that's all been through, um, support from the National Science Foundation. Most of the grants that we've had have, have come from them. Hmm. So so um, do you help with um, courses and programs reconfiguring or do they, does each community college pretty much figure out what they want to do? So at that workshop, we present our model and then uh-huh. we also 
um, so they can see, you know, what we've sort of developed that we know has worked. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is they sort of, they take that, that same, that same model mm -hmm. uh, and then they modify it in ways that work for their, cause they may, so the very first thing we do is we have them do sort of this quick self study to have them look internally to see if there are parts of the model that just won't work at yeah. their institution. Right. And if they won't work, then we got to figure out ways to piece together the parts that you're sure. that aren't going to work so that you can still, still do it. So that's really a, that's really a part of um, what we do at that workshop. So there is some flexibility in, in how they modify it. We didn't mm -hmm. want to go, we didn't want to go too far out from that though, because what we wanted to be able to do and what we have done is we wanted to be able to go back in, you know, I'm sorry, I should go say go forward yeah. and then look back and yeah. be able to do sort of studies of the network as a whole. So sort of like a, a meta analysis of our yeah. network. Yeah. Um, and so if everybody was doing something totally different, that would make that a challenge. So that's why we wanted to have we wanted to have some consistency, which we were able to maintain. And as it turned out, it worked for them anyway. So it was, it was kind of perfect. So, so what kind of resources do you provide or through the NSF grant or how, how does each college, in addition to the way you kind of kickstart them uh, with this workshop, um, are there any other resources that you provide or are you able to provide? Yeah, so we, we actually um, initially, when we have a, a new partner come on board, we provide um, supply line, right? So if mm -hmm. they're building up new projects, we have money that we can actually help them purchase supplies. Mm -hmm. In some instances, we actually, during the development phase of their program, will support um, buying out some time for a faculty member that wants to be taking the lead on that. Right. Yeah. Because initially when you're developing it, it does take a lot of extra time outside of your normal, uh, sure. some of your normal workload. Um, and then, of course, the strategic planning meeting, which I talked about. And then the follow up is that we've um, been running uh, techniques workshops uh, pretty much two a year, one one for field techniques and one for laboratory techniques. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we each each year we survey our network and ask them for input on what techniques they are, are interested in, in gaining some experience in. So we let them tell us mm -hmm. how, what, what the workshops should look like. And then we, um, and then we develop those workshops and then, and then provide support for them to attend those. So, and then beyond that, we've got lots of resources on our website, publications that we've produced from looking at our data that we've collected over the many years, um, simple mentorship, project management, uh, lots of matchmaking. So someone will say, Hey, we've, got an opportunity to do a project here on campus. Do you know anybody else that mm -hmm. has something similar? We can do a lot of that. So it's, you know, it's a lot of mentorship, but it, there is also the financial component that everybody's looking for, which is good. So I'm wondering how you guys are measuring quote unquote success here. I mean, um, obviously it's helping the students. I, is there some way that you're tracking that? Yeah, so we spend a lot of a, a significant significant part of our budget is to hire an external evaluator, mm -hmm. and um, there's a group out at, at Washington State University that we've been working with for for years now that uh, that help us with that. And so we do collect a lot of data from our. We ask them to do these reporting forms each year, which are pretty intensive, mm -hmm. uh, and we also ask them to. Um, 
in, employ these uh, these surveys that we use for students to look for you know what their participation level is, but also how it might be impacting their their intention to go on to get a four year degree or to go on to graduate school. So we do collect a lot of data, and we have that external evaluator that helps us look at that data. Sure. Uh, and so that that's one part that's very important because it it sort of gives us a way to do this sort of formative assessment along the way where we can. We can say, all right, maybe we need to shift gears here because we're seeing something in the data where, you know, our partners need us to have, you know, provide supports in this area more than in others and things like that. Sure. So that's been very beneficial. Any success stories or vignettes that you could share from these uh, so many years? Yeah, the ones that I really like to talk about are the ones that in institutions that had no no research on their campus at all. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, literally zero when they came to us. Yeah. And now have implemented it across their in, entire campus. So the two, the two that I like to talk about is, um, is Gaston College, which is in North Carolina, and Anoka Ramsey, which is in um, uh, outside of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And those two institutions have programs that operate at the institutional level that now are focused on providing students in, in all disciplines. I'm a biologist, so I can't, I can't really talk about what it would be like to do research in humanities, but, um, but they wanna, they've really committed to that from the president, board of trustees, president on down mm-hmm. and, and have really sort of, it, it, and so we, we've been spending a lot of time studying institutional cultures mm-hmm. to try to figure out, well, how do those two schools do that right what is what is it about those two schools that make them unique right. that um where we have other institutions that we know have struggled and because we, we want to be able to share that right with the with the community yeah. and say hey if your institution has these characteristics you're good you're in you're right in line for success if you don't have these then you <laughs> you might find yourself struggling trying to get it off the ground so that those are two institutions that i like to talk about a lot because they've grown i mean they're they're even beyond what we have at Finger Lakes. I mean, I, I'm proud of what we have at Finger Lakes, but right, um, sure. we didn't get that far, which was you know, really an impressive thing. Now, how about, uh, you know, any of your students or anything, any story from there that uh, might be worth recounting? Yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a student and um, early on when we, when we developed our first research class, who um, was was in my she was in my intro bio course and and didn't she kind of floundered around a lot very quiet didn't didn't mm-hmm. say a whole lot um, and when she went through that sequence of labs that we put into the bio class she I could see her sort of getting heavily engaged right mm-hmm. this and this student became one of those two students that became part of this project mm-hmm. and in talking to her she she was a high school dropout. Um, mm-hmm. She had been homeless for a while. She had been abused by a, in a relationship, yeah. um, floundered around with jobs, and then and then came to us as a part time student, mm-hmm. and then took part in this project. And it, it, the incredible thing is that she would say things like, "Well, after this, I want to do more of this." And at one point, saying, "You know, I, I think I want to get my PhD." <laughs> I was like, "Well, wow. hold on a second. You're only, you know, you're only in your." third semester of college right so let's let's think about what that means and in in reality she I don't think she at that point knew what that really meant like what does it mean to go from 
you know, a, a third semester at a community college to all the way out to getting your PhD. Right. Um, and so she didn't understand what that meant, but through just mentorship and trying to help her along the way, um, she ended up at, at the end of her, her tenure with us, um, got a Barry Goldwater scholarship, which is one of the most difficult, challenging things to do as an undergraduate. And it's the most, one of the most premier scholarships in STEM for undergrads, mm-hmm. which allowed her to go to a four-year institution where that she normally wouldn't have been able to afford. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, went on and got her PhD in microbiology. So, I mean, wow. from a, a homeless high school dropout who had had some you know, serious family issues all the way on to um, her PhD in microbiology, which is pretty incredible. Absolutely. The research in general brings out a totally different dimension um, in students and, you know, shows them what they're capable of and, you know, compensate for maybe their... And it's interesting, yeah, because people, people who I know and I've worked with at other institutions will, will sort of reiterate this idea is that, you know, very often the the best undergraduate researchers are not the A student. So Mm -hmm. they, they, they can, you know, they can be your average C plus in terms in the classroom. And for whatever reason, you know, they shine when you get them into a lab or in the field uh, and engage them in projects. Uh, You can't predict how well someone's going to be going to do, you know, with undergraduate research and how far they're going to go with it uh, based on their grades. It just, it, it doesn't, I don't see any evidence to suggest that that you can make that prediction based on you know their GPA. It just it just doesn't doesn't happen. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah, might be a good topic for undergraduate research somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so what's ahead? What, what do you as you look ahead? Um, what do you see this entire network of community colleges doing with research? Well, it's interesting. I get that question a lot from from people, especially at the National Science Foundation, because they don't want to be giving us money forever, right? They, they've, yeah, they, their their goal is to sort of fund new ideas, and then hope that you are able to have success, but then be able to sustain that success. Right. And so, when people ask me, "Well, how are you? How are you going to sustain Curry without the National Science Foundation?" and I, my answer is, it's it's already sustainable. Every yeah. program that's 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 launched and is operating with, you know, at this point, very little help from us because they don't need our help anymore. Yeah. That's, that's how we sustain it is by continuing to help colleges get their programs off the ground. Mm. Um, and what we've done now is uh, I'm a, a co-PI on the, on a project from in the NSF. It's the yeah. new national center in biotechnology education. And uh-huh. we sort of, I, I, the reason why I'm a co-PI on that project is because biotechnology is an area where we want to have some inroads. Mm-hmm. And start getting undergraduate research into programs that aren't necessarily transfer programs, that are programs that are typical, you know, your AA, AAS degrees, two years mm-hmm. of education, get into a job. And yeah. we think there's gonna we think there's a lot of benefits that can be gained by having students engage in research, uh, even if they don't think they want to have a research career, that they want to mm-hmm. go into, you know, right into the job market and because a lot of the skills that you get from an undergraduate research experience uh, go beyond just being able to operate instruments and design experiments and analyze data. Sure. Um, there's a lot of sort of professional skills that you can gain from just being engaged in, in a research project. 
No, I, I think that's that's really great. I, I think, uh, as you rightly said, it is a pretty evergreen, this notion of taking research forward. And uh, I wish you all the luck and the best. Now, <laughs> no, I, I really think that you're doing great, great work. And this is really a wonderful thing that you're offering, not just your students, but every every student out there. What would your advice be to students who come into community college about research? I mean, what what kind of skills do they need to be able to do research? Is that teachable, or is that something you come with? Um, I, I think I think it is it is teachable. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of what I my recommendation for students that are going into a community college is to seek out those opportunities because that sometimes it's hard to find them if it's not across the entire institution mm-hmm. and and look for those opportunities for yourself and don't be afraid to you know knock on a door and, and say hey I really would like to look for ways to get get engaged in a, in a project it doesn't have to be a you know a complicated massive three semester research project it could be something simple yeah. um, but but in terms of the skills the the most the most important ones really are the ones that you wouldn't, well, you might not think about when you think about scientific research mm-hmm. uh, are, are just things like being able to work with somebody on a team, uh, being able to communicate through your, you know, writing and being able to communicate ideas uh, to other people and um, you know, critical thinking skills, being able to solve problems, um, mm-hmm. being a risk taker. I mean, things like that where those things, some of those things are taught, some of those things are sort of natural for people. Mm-hmm. And because all the other stuff, like how to run this experiment or how to create um, a, you know, a protocol that you want to put, put in for your project, th- those things, those things can come, come later because those are the ones that you're going to get by just being engaged in the project itself. Sure. And then the other thing is for faculty, I, I would say that, you know, if there are faculty out there that are going to listen to this is, is um, don't think that it has to be something huge that you start, you know, build something small. My, that Red Tail Hawk project was not complicated and yeah. it, it only had two students that were engaged in it. And, um, it, 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 but, it, and it, but it was very transformative for those two students. So it doesn't have to be something massive, right? But yeah. it was, certainly was better than sitting in a lecture hall for an hour and 50 minutes and watch four PowerPoint presentations go by. Um, you know, it's way better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, I was just thinking that there are over 5,000 community colleges across the U.S. And so there's obviously a lot of opportunity and room for this uh, undergraduate research to grow on all those campuses as well. So I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity for you to you know, make a mark. So I think this is, this is great. Yeah. I would have never thought we would be at a hundred and whatever, 146 that we're at right now that we'd have in our network when I started with, you know, just the two students. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been an incredible, incredibly fulfilling journey, I should say for me and for a lot of the people that I work with, which has been great. So um, any closing thoughts, uh, Jim, as we wind down here? 
Um, I, I think the, you know the closing thought would be to not think of, and I and I sort of talk when I'm talking to new partners about this. Really important for administrators to understand this as well is that um, you know there's always been this dichotomy in higher education of research versus teaching. There's always been this. They've always been pitted against each other, right? Mm-hmm. That in community colleges have always been thought of places where there was you taught, but you didn't really do research, right? You, there, you, weren't, you didn't have a research career, you had a teaching career. right? But again, you ha- I always say that that undergraduate research is like a tool in your, in your teacher's toolbox, right? It's, an, it's, a, yeah. it's a way to engage students in a, in a process of learning, in which in this case is, you know, process thinking around being a scientist. And so there, in my mind, at this point in my career, I don't see them as as two separate things that, that if you're, if you're teaching science, then you're, you should be doing research and they should become like completely intertwined with each other because I mean, that's, that's our jobs. <laughs> we should be doing that. We're sort of, we're sort of obligated to, to do that. And so um, I think this whole idea of teaching versus research uh, is, doesn't, doesn't really make sense anymore to me and, and to a lot of people that, that we've worked with. No, that's that's absolutely a great thought, and uh, and I mean, I guess you've shown that that is the case. So, Jim, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, giving us a great overview on CCURI and all about undergraduate research. And I hope the listeners um, get a lot out of it and do more research. And I will certainly be in touch with you. But for now, take care. Yeah. Be safe. Tell them, you know, anybody that's listening, if they want to see it, they can go to ccuri.us. And that's that's our page for they can see the network. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll put that on the notes as well. Okay. Take care, Jim. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. Bye-bye. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast on CCURI with Professor James Hewlett of Finger Lakes Community College, New York. This is an inspiring story of how one person can make a difference. Professor Hewlett took the learnings from an initial blood sample of the red-tailed hawk and was able to bring undergraduate research to over 120 community college campuses with NSF's backing. Professor Hewlett gives us a great overview of CCURI, the need for UG research at community colleges, how CCURI was born, the impact it is having on other community colleges, the successes, and finally, advice for students to seek out opportunities at their own community colleges. To learn more about CCURI, visit ccuri.org. US. I hope this podcast inspires you to build the skills and pursue undergraduate research. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io with the subject line UG Research. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. 
To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College Matters. Alma Matters. matters.